your Bibles tonight to John chapter number 14. John chapter number 14. Two of our life groups this quarter uh, deal directly with the Holy Spirit. Brother Russo is teaching one in English, and then I'm teaching uh, the same topic in our Spanish ministry. And um, I've been doing a lot of reading and praying and studying on the topic, and I just wanted to share just a few thoughts. You can consider this a devotional of sorts. The goal is for us to be out of here in about 20 minutes. Uh, the Derby is going to start upstairs at 7.30, and so we want to get... Uh, some food from God's Word uh, in preparation here. The title of our Bible study tonight is What the Holy Spirit Provides. What the Holy Spirit Provides. What I tell people uh, whenever uh, they're new to being saved and I sit with them, I, I like to explain to them the benefit package of being a Christian. There's many benefits to being saved. Uh, listen, uh, there's many struggles that come along with being saved. You get saved and all of a sudden God begins to work on you and uh, he might even allow some trials in your life that are going to shape you. And I heard someone say one time, they said, boy, my life was easy and then I got saved. That's not the attitude we want to have, is it? Um, uh, If I were to take you down and and help you find a job and uh, you were to sit in the HR department and they sat down with their benefit package Uh, You might like what they show you on that benefit package sheet. They're going to give you your base pay. They might show you a 401k retirement option. They might show you life insurance. They might show you health insurance. Uh, They might show you a vacation package that comes along with that. And you might get all hyped up and excited about that that, uh, pay package. But then they're going to hand you next, they're going to hand you your work requirements. And uh, that's less exciting, especially when you see that, you know, you might get called to work mandatory overtime and uh, you might uh, you might have to get your hands dirty and you might have to um, sweat a little bit. You might have to uh, uh, you might have to labor to a place that just wears you out from time to time and they work hand in hand. When we get saved, there is work that God calls us to. But uh, the Lord also he gives us great benefits and being saved. The psalmist uh, talked about the benefits in Psalm chapter 37, how uh, we get to enjoy those benefits. One of the greatest benefits about being saved is that God, in the form of the Holy Spirit, He moves inside and takes up residence inside of our hearts. 1 Corinthians 6, the end of the chapter, says that we are the temple of the Holy Ghost that dwells within us, or which is in us. And so our physical bodies become a temple, a temple, and the Holy Spirit takes up residence. And that is an exciting prospect. Look with me at John chapter 14. Let me give you three things the Holy Spirit provides. And and the list is much longer than three, but let me just give you highlight three of the things that you get uh, from the Holy Spirit or are available to the Christian. Notice first, uh, the first thing the Holy Spirit uh, provides, he provides us comfort. He provides us comfort. Look at John 14 and uh, look at verse 16. I'm sorry, I'm in the wrong, wrong chapter here. I'm personally in the wrong chapter. There we are. John 14, 16. There it is. I was in 15, 16. And I will pray the Father and he shall give you another, see it there? Comforter. Notice that that is the name of the Holy Spirit. Comforter, comforter. Um, look at verse number 18, 
Jesus is telling his disciples as he's preparing to die and then ascend. He says, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. I will not leave you comfortless. Look at verse number 26. Verse 26. But the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whosoever I have said unto you. Um, I've had many people ask me, uh, Pastor, what do you even say at a funeral? How do you know what to say? You, you have people who are grief stricken and uh, you have instances where you have uh, someone get a call about a, a child, an adult child who is found dead. And I've had this multiple times. And you, you walk into a home of, of a mother and father who were just in shock. Uh, and uh, what, do you, what do you even say? What do you say to someone when they're going through a tragedy like that? And I have to be very honest with you. Sometimes I don't know what to say. I just don't. Uh, I've learned in the years of being in church ministry, sometimes the best thing you can do is just be there. It's just be there. You don't have to have the right words. You just need to be there. We make feeble attempts at comforting each other from without. And those attempts matter. Again, when I went and saw Maxine today, seeing those cards, those are efforts from without to comfort her as she's dealing with the great loss of two daughters in one week's time. I stood here this morning behind this pulpit and tried to minister to Lexton Campbell's family. Some of them I know, many of them I don't. And I made a feeble attempt of trying to comfort them from without. Uh, next Wednesday, I'll drive to um, uh, Meriden area and I'll minister to Bob's family. And I'll attempt to comfort from without. But you know what the Spirit of God does? He comforts from within. And if you're saved and you're going through a hard, hardship... Only the Holy Spirit of God has the power to give you a peace that passes all understanding. And He doesn't just comfort us in loss of life. He comforts us when we're going through transitions. He comforts us uh, when we feel like, you know, our family has turned their back on us. He, He comforts us when we feel lonely. He comforts us when we feel afraid. Uh, he comforts us Uh, Through each and every problem in life, the Holy Spirit of God comforts us from within. His primary role as the Holy Spirit indwelling us is to do that indeed. It is to comfort me and you. There's a lot of talk in the day and age which we live of of anxiety and mental health and all of those things. And, And I understand where those things come from. But can I tell you that the Holy Spirit's job when you're in a mental crisis, is to comfort you. That is what he does. He comforts you. So as we consider this evening what the Holy Spirit provides, understand that he provides you great comfort. Notice next, he provides counsel. He provides counsel. Look back with me at John 14 and look at verse 17. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. You've got to be very careful where you get your counsel from. People who don't have Jesus, people who are not saved, they don't know, cannot see, cannot experience, cannot get the wisdom 
from God or the Spirit of God because they're not saved. They, they don't realize Him. They don't experience Him. They can give worldly wisdom. They can give worldly advice, but they can't give real advice. Um, over the uh, eight years, rather over the almost seven years I've been the pastor here, I've had so many people who've just been so broken come pour into my office and uh, they they sit and ask me and I take the Bible and I take the Word of God and I counsel them from a biblical standpoint through Scripture. I can't count how many times I've had somebody look at me and say, I have thrown thousands of dollars at counselors, therapists, secular counselors, and I've never heard what you just told me. I, this is going to help me. What I've been told, and, and again... Pastor Lejeune is not touting his ability to counsel. You know what Pastor Lejeune is touting? That he has the truth on his side. A lot of people who are not saved counseling, they don't have the word of God on their side. Counsel. Counsel. Look at verse number 26. It's the spirit of God that leads us into truth. But the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall, look here, teach you all things, notice the counsel, and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Here's how this is supposed to work. All right? You open up your Bible and you read it, and the Spirit of God that indwells you, He teaches you what you're reading. He leads you and He guides you into all truth. Now watch this. You go to a life group. And you sit there and you listen to Brother Tom teach or you listen to Brother Russo teach or Brother Owens teach or you go to the ladies class and you hear Miss Marcia teach or maybe Miss Melba teach. I think I believe Mrs. Okai is teaching a life group in the fall. You go to one of these life groups and you hear them teach. You know what you have if you're saved? You have the Spirit of God who does this thing called quality control. He does it when Pastor Lejeune gets up and preaches too. In fact, he ought to be doing it right now. And when something is said that's true, ding, check, that's correct. You need to follow that. You need to believe that. Have you ever been sitting in a class or sitting uh, listening to preaching and all of a sudden in your spirit you felt, man, that's right, that's good, I need that right there. There's something inside affirming what you're hearing to be that's true. That is the Spirit of God leading you and guiding you into all truth. And you know what? He also works on the other end of that as well. You, you hear something that is a false ideology. You hear something that's a lie. Uh, you hear something that is uh, wrong. The culture's pushing something on you that's incorrect. And the Spirit of God says, stay away from that. Don't go there. Don't be a part of that. Don't listen to that. You need to turn that off. You don't need to let your kids watch that on TV. Uh, you don't need to be watching that on TV. You don't need to be taking that in in a movie. Some time ago, my family signed up for VidAngel. And if you know what VidAngel is, it lets you filter out all the garbage in a movie. And uh, boy, my kids got really excited about that. And they wanted if they could just watch whatever now that we had VidAngel. And I said... No, <laughs> I said, uh, even if you cut out all the cursing and all the romantic stuff and you cut out all the violence and all the alcohol even, and we have the ability to cut all that stuff out, there's still an underlying agenda behind all of these movies. And your dad needs to know what the agenda is because those things could lead you astray. 
And as parents, we lean on the Spirit of God to counsel us as we counsel the next generation coming up. It is the Spirit of God's duty, responsibility, and His desire to counsel you. Should I take this next job? Should I, uh, should I buy this vehicle? Should I move into this place? Should I rent? Should I buy? Should I move across the country? Should I move across the globe? Uh, all of these things, you have the Spirit of God whose duty is to lead you and guide you into all truth. He is your teacher. Before I move on to this last one, and this last one's just uh, as equally important as the first two, uh, I want you to understand uh, the analogy of a, of a coach with, a, uh, with, a, with a, someone playing a sport. Maybe you have a coach who is over swimming and they have an athlete in the pool. And I didn't swim growing up much, uh, just recreationally. Uh, I believe Brother Kyle here did some swimming in high school. But uh, you have a coach and you know what? The coach doesn't need to get in the water and necessarily do it. He just needs to be able to evaluate your technique and tweak that and correct that and make that right. And the coach, his duty is to lead you and guide you so that you can be the best version of yourself as an athlete as you possibly can be. And the Spirit of God, he's tweaking, he's, he's adjusting, he's correcting, not so he can make you live in guilt, his duty is not to make you live in guilt. His desire isn't to make you feel guilty. His desire is to guide you in the right direction. When I was an assistant basketball coach, uh, I'd go in the locker room at halftime, and sometimes the coach would, uh, would get down with a low voice, and he would encourage the guys with a low careful tone and other times those young men in the locker room had, had a terrible first half and they had played terrible and they were being sloppy and lazy and he'd get in there and he'd light them up i mean he'd light a fire under them and he had to decide in the locker room at halftime what technique was going to help get his team the most ready to go out and play that second half of basketball and the spirit of god within you he's coaching you he's leading you he's guiding you he's saying to you hey listen uh, that's got to be cut out and that's got to go because that's holding you back from being the best uh, christian you can be to run your race to its fullest so what does the spirit of god provide he provides comfort he provides counsel. Notice number three, he provides consecration. Consecration. Take your Bibles over to Romans chapter number eight. Romans chapter eight. And uh, we're going to just unpack this one here in about five minutes. Romans chapter eight. And look at verse number one. Romans eight. Everyone over there? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Romans 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. Romans chapter 8. All right, look at verse number 1. It says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, look here, but after the Spirit. We're not to walk after the flesh. If you're not under the condemnation of sin anymore, you ought to walk by the Spirit. Look at verse 2. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. It's made me free. I don't have to be a slave to sin anymore. I don't have to be. I shouldn't be a slave 
to sin anymore. I should be living free from sin. I don't have to live with the shackles of habit sin on me anymore because I've been saved. I, uh, the Spirit of God can put the key in there and take the shackles off. And while I won't be sinless to the grave, I don't have to live and you don't have to live with habit sin anymore. He is consecrating. What's a good way of describing consecration? He's giving you a good old-fashioned bath, right? He's getting in there and getting the grit and the grime of sin off of you. I remember working that truck dock job back in college and I'd get down to the end of the workday and my hands would be covered in, in grime and dirt and, and I'd go into the bathroom and I'd get the, you know, liquid hand soap and I'd put my hands under the sink and just dirty water would go running down the drain and I'd scrub and scrub and scrub and then I'd look at my hands and they still look dirty. They still look dirty. And then I'd get this, uh, this, thicker, grittier soap on my hands made for uh, uh, truck dock workers and mechanics. And, and then I begin to rub that in there. And boy, it, you could feel the abrasion against your skin. And, and uh, you'd rub that in, then you'd put your hands under and a whole lot more dirt would come off. What is the purpose of soap? The purpose of soap is to carry dirt away from the skin. And the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to carry the dirt of sin away from your heart and so that you are cleaned up in Christ. Listen, you get saved and your language should change. The Holy Spirit should be that soap carrying away that foul language from you. Uh, maybe you used to go to the bar before you got saved and you used to drink a lot. All of a sudden, that begins to be washed off of you and begins to go. and Maybe it begins to wash some friends away that didn't belong there. And all of a sudden, you're being cleaned up because the Spirit of God is taking the shackles of sin and sin habits away and making that difference. Look at verse 9 of Romans 8. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so, be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have the Spirit of Christ, he is none of His. Look there. We don't dwell in the flesh. We don't operate by the mode of the flesh or the desire of the flesh. We're shedding walking in the flesh so that the Spirit of God can take us down a new path. Now, with just a couple minutes left, turn over to Galatians chapter number 5. Galatians chapter 5 with me. This ought to change not only your behavior, but it ought to change your attitude. It ought to change your attitude. And we ought not be filled with fleshly responses when things are, are rough in our life. We ought to be filled with godly responses. Look at, and I was just going to read 22 and 23, but let's back up a couple of verses here and, and let's get the contrast. Now look at verse 19. Now, the works of the flesh are manifest. If you're walking by the flesh and not by the Spirit, these things will define you. Any one of these things or any number of these things may define you. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness. All those deal with sexual sins. Notice the next set. Idolatry, witchcraft. And then now notice, uh, and those are, uh, those are the sins of, of worshiping false gods and being caught up in a rebellious attitude. Now notice, hatred, variance, emulations. That's emulating the world. You're talking like the world, you're listening to the world's music, you're acting like the world, you're emulating the world. Wrath, all right, our attitude, strife, seditions, heresies. So now our doctrine begins to become uh, corrupted and tainted. Look at 21, envyings, 
murderers. And notice not only the letter of the law, but the spirit of the law. Drunkenness, revelings, and such like of the which I tell you before, as I have told you in times past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. These are behaviors of the lost. These are not behaviors of the saved. If you're saved, you should not be wrapped up in these behaviors. Notice the contrast in verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit. Notice the consecration. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. What should your reactions and responses be? Love, joy, peace, right? Uh, we're, we're, giving, we're giving off uh, a sense of selflessness and we're filled with the joy of, of Jesus. And we have a peace that passes all understanding. And when uh, things are not going our way, we have a spirit of long suffering and uh, gentleness defines us. People ought to see you as a gentle soul, gentleness and goodness and Faith, you walk by faith, you don't walk by sight anymore. You trust that God is everything under control. Gentleness, goodness, faith, and meekness, right? There's that power under control. Temperance, you know how to say no to the flesh. And uh, you're walking by thy, these nine things. And all of a sudden, your lifestyle is very different than people at work, people in your neighborhood, people who are in your family that are not saved because they look at you and say, there's something different about her. There's something different about him. Uh, they, uh, they, not only is their mouth cleaned up, and not only are they not wrapped up in things that are sinful, boy, their responses to life are just very different than mine. And the best, the best way to sell Christianity is for you to go forth and model it. And when you model it, you're going to open doors for you to be able to speak it. And you're going to offer a lot of credibility because the Spirit of God is working in you. Amen. That's what the Holy Spirit provides. There's a whole lot more He provides, but those three things this evening. All right. Let's stand together.